So now it's the occasion for us to sit in meditation and uh, make our mindfulness firm. So the uh, bases for bringing about firmness of this quality of sati, of mindfulness or recollection, there are four um, foundations of this, four bases. The first is the body. And this is the Gayanupasana Satipatthana, the foundation of the body. And it's also an object that when we contemplate will give rise to clear insight or vipassana. The second foundation is that of Vedana, of feeling. The third is Chitta, or the mind. And the fourth is Dhamma, Dhamma Nupasana Satipatthana. And really everything is Dhamma. Greed, hatred, delusion are all Dhammas. And the mind that is absent of greed, hatred and delusion is also Dhamma. So there are these kilesas, the defilements, and these are the Dhammas that are on the side of um, akusala or unskillfulness but they're also skillful dhammas. One aspect of these unskillful dhammas are the nivaranas, the hindrances. And so there's kamachanda, which is the seeking of pleasure or delight in um, sense experience or sense objects, in sights, sounds, smells, tastes, um, touches, and the thoughts and emotions that uh, arise in the mind, the Dhamma Aramana. And then there is ill will, the wish to harm. And this is another akusala Dhamma, the unskillful Dhammas. Then there's drowsiness, lethargy, um, which can come up while we're practicing. And this is another of the hindrances, which works to prevent the heart from reaching goodness and from experiencing peace. And then there is the mind that is unsettled, that's stirred up and um, can also be annoyed. And getting um, experience and annoyance, it can come about through quite simple things such as heat and the weather, or just any thing that we experience that we don't like, we don't wish to have. And these days, annoyance is coming up very easily for people because of the pandemic. And... Uh, Many people are confined to small places and they're not able to do the things that they once could do or that they want to do, giving rise to anger or frustration. When people feel um, angry, disgruntled, then they can often go and find fault with others, place the blame on other people. And that's natural because we live together in a society but really, if we're going to be fault-finding, we should place the blame on birth. 
because having been born into this world, then we have to meet with these things. If we aren't, or if we didn't um, experience birth, we didn't come and take birth here in this world, then we wouldn't have to meet with old age, sickness and death. We wouldn't have to meet with viruses like this. And so it's because of um, taking birth in this world that we have to meet with this COVID virus. So if we perceive things in terms of Dhamma, if we look at things in that way, then, then we'll see it in that light. Um, but if we just look external to ourselves, then we'll experience suffering. That'll be a cause for us to suffer. But if we contemplate and look internally for um, these causes and reasons, then that is a skillful act of mind. This looking externally is um, the arising of the nivaranas, of the hindrances. And the last of these hindrances is uh, skeptical doubt. So we can be uncertain in our practice as to what object to use, whether we should stay with our breath, whether we should count the breath in pairs, we should use the mantra buddho, and we can doubt and worry about this. And what practice should I do to reach the Dhamma, to know and to see the Dhamma? When doubts arise, we should bring up mindfulness and keep our awareness and presence of mind very firm. And just don't let these doubts take over the mind. All it takes is for us to be firm in one object of meditation and not be uncertain or waver over that. And whatever object is useful for bringing the heart to peace, then we use that as a kamatana, as a meditation object. That's what all of these kamatanas are there for, is to bring about peace of mind. So we shouldn't doubt over that because this doubt is just another one of the hindrances. This lack of certainty, a lack of confidence in what we're doing is the hindrance of doubt. And it just works to um, aggravate the mind and cause us to suffer. Feeling disheartened or dejected in the practice falls under the hindrance of drowsiness or lethargy. And so does feeling lonely, which is something quite natural if we've gone off to a quiet place and we're just staying by ourselves, then it's easy to, to feel lonely. But if we keep our mindfulness firm and well-grounded, well-established, then we'll see, perceive that all of these things are just dhammas. If we have enough wisdom, if our mindfulness is strong enough, then whenever any quality arises, whenever our minds experience any form of, uh, of goodness or of evil or of something that's unwholesome, and we'll see that it's just dhamma that's arising. It's all just a phenomena absence of any self. 
So one of Ajahn Chah's teachers, uh, Lumpur Tongrat, he uh, was known for his quick wisdom. And one day he was going off on arms round and there was an old woman who would never offer any food to the monks. And so he one day uh, told her, now you should start cooking rice now so you can go offer it. And he could get a lot of criticism for his actions. And sometimes people really came down hard on him. But when this happened, he would lift up his hands into Anjali, into this very respectful pose. And uh, he said that this is all Dhamma. Now, these, this um, teaching that people are giving him by criticizing him, that's a very good form of Dhamma that's, that he's receiving. So he could see people's anger as being Dhamma that there's no, there wasn't any self there behind it, no being, no um, me, no other. It's all just a phenomena. So those who have a lot of wisdom, they can uh, practice and uh, use this method. And and um, so if we contemplate, um, sometimes then we're able to see things in this light, whether it's a skillful quality or an unskillful quality that's arising, we'll see it as just being a quality arising. See it simply as Dhamma and empty, devoid of a self. The mind knows um, whenever any quality arises, and it'll see it right through to its cessation, understanding its temporary um, nature. Seeing that all of these qualities or all of these phenomena, uh, anicca, dukkha, anatta, are in constant stressful suffering and not self. There's no self to them. There's no being, no me, no other there. So when we practice, then we should keep our mindfulness uh, within these four foundations and contemplate within those bounds as well. Because when we have our mindfulness there, looking at our minds, then we'll know what our hearts are like. We'll know what these minds are like at that time. If they are full of desire, desire for sensuality, for various sights and sounds, um, various tastes, smells, touches, or mental objects, then we should use an appropriate, an appropriate counterbalance to that. And that is the contemplation of the body. Looking through and investigating this body, splitting it up into the 32 parts, seeing it as being something unattractive. So there's the 10 kinds of asuba contemplations that we can uh, go through. Seeing the body as just being bones, as a skeleton, seeing it just being full of blood or just being a heap of flesh, or looking uh, through the four elements in terms of their unclean nature. And this is all the um, asuba sanya, the bringing up of this recollection, the perception of the unattractive, the dirty nature of the body.
And this is used to counterbalance um, and to remove the delight in sensuality. So if the mind is experiencing this attraction, this delight, then there won't be any peace to it. So when we use our thoughts in an appropriate manner to um, offset that, to look at the asuba nature, then that will bring calm into our hearts. If our minds are heavy towards anger, towards aversion, then we need to use an appropriate object to offset that as well. And that's contemplating and bringing up the four Brahma-viharas of kindness, compassion, of empathetic joy and equanimity. And these four objects will bring the mind back into balance. If our hearts are very heavy in moha, in delusion, if they easily get deluded by love and hate, then a good object of um, contemplation is that of the breath, looking at the breath as it comes in the body and as it leaves, and seeing it as just being empty. If we try to use um, two uh, kind of heady forms of contemplation, then that can just... Um, provoke more thoughts going on in the mind. But when we bring our contemplation to the breath, then it'll stop proliferating. For those people who experience faith very readily and easily, then appropriate objects are that of the recollection of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. And for those who are skilled in the use of wisdom or who have wisdom as a natural inclination of their minds, then they should use that to contemplate into the four elements. Or for monks, a good use of wisdom is to contemplate food and to see food as just being something dirty. That it's already dirty before we put it in our bodies, but then when it goes in, it becomes even more dirty because of the unclean nature of these bodies. Even if that food had a lot of value, it was very expensive before we put it in our bodies, when it goes in, it loses all of that worth. It all goes down into the stomach and it mixes together and all of the value just leaves suddenly. As we chew the food, it gets mixed in with our saliva, and then it goes into the stomach, and all of the kinds of food that we've eaten get mixed up together there. The sweet things, the desserts, the curries, the rice, the fruits, everything gets um, mixed together in the stomach. And then if, that, if the contents of our stomach gets vomited out, then we probably won't be able to put it back into our bodies again. So these are ways that we can contemplate our food um, to bring up the perception of food being something unclean. And then when our bodies go and process um, this food further, and the intestines take all the liquid out, then we defecate. So this body um, 
once we've filled it up with food, then it has to go and empty itself out as well. We can contemplate that in just one day, we excrete a lot. And there may be one kilogram uh, that we excrete out. So after three months, that's a lot. And it'll be a heap um, of excrement that's high as that's as high as a doorframe. So then we can see that, or go on thinking in this way, that after one year, there will be four heaps that high if it doesn't decay. And then after 30 years, that's 120 heaps of excrement. So this is, we can see very easily that uh, the nature of a suba, this unattractive uh, nature there, or we can contemplate the breath and see that the breath, when it comes in, it's oxygen. And then when it leaves, it's carbon dioxide. And this is the air element. And the water element um, is all the liquid parts of the body. So the urine, the blood. You see that these are all unclean things. And the fire as well, once uh, the things that have been burnt or our body uses to produce heat have been uh, burnt up already, then once they're used in this way, then they're just dirty things. So contemplating into the qualities or the nature of these four elemental properties of um, earth, water, fire, and air, are appropriate objects for those who um, are strong in their wisdom faculties for those who can contemplate things easily and whose minds are very quick with discernment, then these four elements and the contemplation into the unclean nature of food are very appropriate topics. We can also reflect upon death or recollect the Buddha, but whatever we do, we shouldn't have any doubts over it. We just use those objects to bring our mind to peace, to cut away at the nivaranas, the hindrances of scatteredness, of finding pleasure in sensuality, of anger, annoyance, to bring our minds into a state of peace so that they can collect together into samadhi. And whatever we use that achieves this, then it shows that's a good topic, it's good enough. When the mind has reached a state of calm, then as we progress with the practice, vipassana, clear seeing, will arise all by itself. When the mind is still and stable, then it'll see quite naturally into the nature of conventions, therefore, or thereby giving rise to vimuti, um, freedom. If we look at a glass, for instance, and we proliferate on that image that we see, then this label of glass will arise in the mind. But if there's no proliferation happening, we see it as simply a form of nature. When we see it as just being nature, then we've seen into samuti, we've seen through um, these conventions, and we experience liberation. We'll see into the nature of arising and ceasing and understand, perceive the Dhamma.
So therefore, we should all train and practice, um, develop our minds, use our wisdom to contemplate into the four elements or into the unclean nature of food. Or those who are strong in wisdom um, can contemplate emptiness as the object of their minds. Focusing on the sound of silence is one aspect of the contemplation of emptiness. And keeping this sound in our minds, um, using that as the object of our awareness, um, allows us to perceive into emptiness, seeing all things as being empty. If the mind doesn't see in that way, um, then it'll just go on and think in accordance with its previous habits. So therefore, we should use those thoughts and um, look through the four elements. See them as just being four different heaps. A heap of earth, a heap of water, a heap of fire, a heap of air. We can ask ourselves, which one of these heaps, which one of these piles is me? If our minds are still at that point of inquiry, then we'll understand clearly. We can ask ourselves, is the hair me? Is it mine? What about the nails? What about the teeth? Are these teeth me? If the mind is still, there won't be any answer that comes up. If it's collected, um, oh, sorry, uh, but if the mind isn't still, then when these four elements combine together into a body, then the heart will go and attach very readily onto it and apply a label or the significance of self upon the body. But when we separate these elements out, we won't be able to find any form of self there in the things that we've separated. So all of us should practice and use our minds to contemplate. Take these bodies as being the main focus of our contemplation. We can also contemplate into Vedana, into the feelings. Um, but if the feelings, are, these painful feelings are extremely strong, um, then it can be a good idea to back off for now. We can try looking into the mind and into the way the mind and its objects arise and cease, arise and cease. But this is a very difficult form of practice because it's so quick, everything happens so fast. Those people who um, can bring their minds into samadhi and get them very firm and settled, collected, uh, can also be deluded by that state, can get um, a bit too much of a high opinion of their practice. And they'll think that with the mind in the state that they've got it, then all they have to do is contemplate the mind itself. And they'll be able to understand clearly. But really, this mind is something that's very subtle, that's very hard to see. And those with delusion, or with a lot of delusion, won't be able um, to perceive into its nature. So we should bring our minds to this body. Um, and it's uh, a very important object of our contemplation.
to establish our hearts in peace and then look through these bodies, reflect on them and think about them until we're able to see them, perceive them with clarity. See that there's no self there, there's no me, there's no other. And as we carry on with this, then a clear understanding will arise. We'll see into the emptiness of the body and then perceive the emptiness of all things. And this emptiness is the Buddha, is the nature of awakening. And once we've reached this inner nature of awakening, then we'll truly see into the emptiness of all things. So today is the 14th of July, and may you all be intent in the practice.